hello. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Golfers Doing Things, the podcast. I'm your host, Jake Adams, and this episode is with stand-up comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. He has been in the game forever. He's done all the things you could do in comedy. He's written on so many television shows. He has his own podcast called Fitz Dog Radio. He was just on Joe Rogan a couple weeks ago, and he's just, he's so funny, man. We talk about, uh, he wrote this episode of uh, crashing on HBO with Bill Burr. Well, Bill Burr actually plays golf, so we kind of break down what that process was like. We go through some of his golf tweets, and uh, yeah, he's just so funny, man. I hope you enjoy this episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, please uh, rate and subscribe on iTunes on the podcast app. That helps us out a lot. Appreciate that. And we got some really cool guests coming up in the future. Uh, we have Bob Mennery on the books. We got Burt Kreischer. We have uh, Coach Rusty. I'm actually going down to Florida to shoot some stuff with him next week down in Orlando. So stay tuned. We got some uh, really cool stuff coming up in the future. So thank you for listening. And I just hope you uh, enjoy your lives as a whole. All right. See you out there. Hello. Hey, what's up, Craig? Uh, how hey, sorry, man. I was, uh, my doctor's finger up my ass. <laughs> yeah, is everything okay? Yeah, no, it was a checkup. It just ran way longer than I thought it would. It went for an hour and a half. Right, there can be a lot of chemistry in there, so it's understandable. <laughs> yeah, once a guy's finger goes up your ass, there needs to be a little talk afterwards. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for taking some time, Greg. Uh, I'm here on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, actually, uh, with two of my buddies, Sal and Kurt. Uh, we used to grow up playing golf together. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing the, doing the podcast, Greg. Sure. Um, so actually, I don't know if you remember this, but, um, I once caddied for you. Um, yeah, yeah. At, <laughs> at, uh, at Bel Air with, there was a member, or maybe two members, and then also like Court McGowan, who was uh, who's on. He's actually Jesper Parnovic's caddy, and he's also a stand-up comedian. But uh, do I, you played that day because like you did a show at Bel Air? Is that right? Yeah, they asked us to do a benefit for something. I can't remember who it was for, and to thank us for performing, they gave us a round of golf, which was fantastic. So I just I'll never forget that course. I'd never played it before, but that that first hole where where you just hitting down that hill and the clubhouse is right next to you, and um, you just immediately feel like, oh yeah, this isn't a public course. This is like <laughs> this is where the rich people play. Yeah, you truly feel better than people, especially when you walk across that swinging bridge. Yeah, right. They have so much like rich people have so much stability in their life. They don't need stability in that bridge. That's right. They, um, it's that bridge is a metaphor, and it it says that they can go wherever the fuck they want, anytime they want. Yeah. Uh, but so, my question is about like the show itself at a country club because I've done a couple of them and they all have gone pretty poorly. Uh, until last year, I did one with like Jay Larson that like went well. But like, did you have it? Like, do you obviously went well if they offered you a round of golf? You know it. Uh, you're a much better stand-up comedian than I am, but like, do you struggle with those, or like, did you have to write jokes for golf, or did you just like do your set? It's tough. It, golf golf gigs are tough, and a lot of times it's because you play golf. You know, like they'll have like an 11 a.m. shotgun, 
and it takes five hours. And then, so now you're, now it's four o'clock and everybody's eating like an early dinner and, the, and it's light out. And then they want you to get up and tell jokes. And, you know, half, a lot of times it's a, it's a benefit. So people are there as kind of, they're just showing up for a friend and they're not, their heart's right. not in it. They're half assing it. And, uh, uh, but, you know, the key is you got to open with a couple of golf jokes, you know? Right, and for sure. It's, it's also, the gigs are so notoriously bad that it's totally acceptable to tell joke jokes, like street jokes, at a, at a golf show. Yeah, I mean, that's all those guys tell on the course anyway. Like, nobody has their own material. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so there's this guy. Um, why am I forgetting his name right now? Tom. Is he a member of Bel Air? He might be, but he organizes golf benefits for a living. That's his job. Oh, wow. What a specific so job. DeMarco. His name is Steve DeMarco. Oh, the professional. Greatest, no, that's a Chris DeMarco. Chris DeMarco. Okay. He's such a good dude. And so he'll say, do you want to come? you know, do this benefit for the, uh, you know, the Italian-American Museum of Los Angeles. And you're like, sure. And it's always at Riviera, Bel Air, you know, uh, El Cap. And so you show up, and as soon as you pull up, they give you a giant bag full of uh, uh, swag. You know, and sometimes the swag is like, a brand new coffee maker or oh, a cutter, wow. a dozen balls, some Cuban cigars. Like they just give you a bag filled with great shit. Stuff for your wife, you know, shampoos and tampons, everything that your wife needs. <laughs> and although my, my wife doesn't need one anymore, but that's a whole other story. Um, oh, whoa, congrats. And then, uh, and then you go out and you play, and, and then they have like a nice breakfast, so you have that. And then you go off, and then it, after the night's hold, it's usually like some gourmet barbecue. And then, you, and then you know, there's drink carts driving around all day with hot chicks, giving out free drinks to everybody. It's great. It's a great day. And then, and then the bad come part. The bad part comes where you gotta get up and tell jokes. Everybody's drunk. <laughs> yeah, the lighting is usually pretty trash. And, like, food always gets served, like, right when you start. Oh, yeah. And so Steve, Steve decided to start doing, instead of, like, regular stand-up, he just does a thing where, like, each comic gets up and does one street joke. And then they have, like, three celebrity comedians judge it. Like, you know, Ray Romano will be up there and, uh, and then... And you, you win for your team. Like, if your joke wins, then the foursome that you played with, they all win something. That's such a better format than, like, having to sweat through, like, talking about things that, you know, people don't really care about when they're just yeah. played around a golf. Yeah. Um, okay, so also I wanted to talk about you wrote, uh, in my opinion, one of the best golf scenes of all time. And I feel like it's very underrated. Like people don't talk about it. Like, uh, especially like it's never even been posted like on all the golf blogs on Instagram. I don't know how, but like you wrote the scene in crashing where Bill Burr just like shits in shits on golf. Um, 
That was true. Like, I think truly up there with like some of the greatest golf scenes of all time, like including Caddyshack. Uh, and do, so like, did you write all of that or like how much was that like of Burr just like riffing in the moment or is there a lot of lines about golf that you wrote that didn't end up coming to fruition in the episode? No, I mean, I wrote the episode and uh, I was, I was there with Bill, but I got to give Bill most of the credit on those jokes. He was kind of, he was kind of riffing, shitting on golf. I mean, I had some jokes about it in the script that he did, but no, most of it was him. He was just like, I think he genuinely, I think he genuinely hates golf in real life. (laughs) So he just like unleashed. And we were, we were at this uh, course in the Bronx. Uh, It's called Mashaloo. Okay. And it's, it's this beat-up course. And when I lived in New York City for 10 years, I used to get on the sixth train with my golf clubs and go up and play there. And it's a real fucking cow pasture, you know? And uh, and so we were out there, and we had to start shooting at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. So we had to leave the city, you know, at, like, 4. So he's already pissed off. He's already angry. <laughs> and, uh, and, like, shooting with Bill was so funny because... He doesn't fuck around. He's a, he's actually a really good actor. Yeah, for sure. He doesn't like to waste time. So like, if he gets a scene and he feels like he got it, he's like, "All right, I think we got it," and that's it. Really? <laughs> yeah, the director's not telling him to do it twelve different times. He's like, "That nah, we got <laughs> it," and it turned out to be like one of the best episodes. He was like, so good. He just, I actually just saw a movie. That uh, Judd Judd Apatow. Oh, produced. the Pete Davidson one. Yeah. Oh, you got to see it. Yeah, Judson. I, I, he, he, he'd shown me a few of the uh, versions as he went, you know, to get notes and stuff. And then uh, he sent me a screener because he wanted me to show my kids to get their reaction. So we watched it a few nights ago, and Bill was the thing they were talking about. They were like, because they were already fans of his, but they were like. I can't believe he's that good of an actor. Like he just, he really can do it. Yeah. That movie's going to be, I'm, I'm so excited to see it. That's dope. You got to watch it already. Um, yeah, it's good. Like, you know, Pete Davidson's, um, you know, has a lot of, uh, brings a lot of gravity to it. And, you know, I think kind of, he really carries it. And, uh, Marissa Tomei is great. Um, who else is in it that's good? Um, oh, uh, what's his yeah. name from Boardwalk Empire? What's that guy's name? Oh, yeah. Steve Buscemi? Yeah, Steve Buscemi's in it. He's right. really good. It's fun. I mean, it's like, it's really funny, and uh, I cry a lot at movies, but I did <laughs> cry. Um, yeah. That's going to be great. It seems like he just gets to play like just a very small extension of himself all the time, which is like ideal, you know, that that's the goal. Um, yeah, I would say I would say this one was a little bit more outside of his comfort zone. You know, I think he had to play there was some layers to the character that he really that he really played that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Um all right, Greg, so uh, to take a bit of a page out of your book here, uh, on your podcast, you like to go through people's tweets, uh, but uh, on this podcast, we go through people's tweets about golf, and oh. uh, you have a bunch of them, but uh, from for this one, uh, see if you remember any of these. Uh, this one's from April 12th, 2013, 
and you tweet <laughs> and you tweeted uh what sport besides golf has a 53 year old competing against a 14 year old besides hitting on a babysitter <laughs> i wrote that yeah that was one of your tweets oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs> i used to be so much funnier it kills me to hear the old stuff that i wrote <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like there's any use for it currently. Um, but, uh, yeah. Are you missing stand up a lot or is there like a part of your body that just like is empty without it? I mean, it's mixed because, you know, doing stand up means leaving my family and getting on a plane and being alone in a hotel room. So like right. that part of it is so fucking great because I've been doing it for 31 years and I've never not performed for longer than two weeks. And now it's been like seven. And so I, I'm writing a lot of stuff down and I think, I think I'm finding other ways to keep my, keep my uh, confidence up. Cause I think stand up right. is like a constant infusion of good feelings about yourself. So um, I have to do other things. Yeah, I mean, it's a drug, you know, like all that serotonin yeah. that you get yeah. every time you have a good set. Right, so I'm like exercising really hard, and I think I'm committing to my family more than I normally do. Like, I'm, we're just doing everything together, and I'm kind of looking at it like, when will I ever spend uninterrupted time with my son and my daughter again? Yeah, and, right. And he's and- in college, and she's going to be out of school in a year and it's like i'm kind of treasuring this time with them yeah i feel you like i'm back home on cape cod and like i'm just probably going to spend the rest of the summer here because like when am i going to have a chance to hang out with my friends i grew up with and like play play in the club championship of like the course that i grew up playing you know so yeah definitely enjoying this time from the water uh i live on a lake uh, which I've been jumping into every day with all my clothes. Uh, f- f- I don't know why, but I'm just doing a thing on Instagram where I jump in every day for 30, the whole month of May. Um, is it cold? Yeah, it's very cold. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the beach is pretty close. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good spot. Um, wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So uh, we, I have one more tweet here that uh, you tweeted about golf. It was from... Uh, this one's not a joke, but it's, it's just from April 17th, 2014. You said, last day of vacation, nine family members took four and a half hours to plan and get out of the house. Hashtag mini golf. Um, oh, yeah. Can you, can you speak on this? Do you remember? Uh, I mean, that's tough, though, as well. Like, to the struggle of being able to go and play when you do have a whole family, especially if you're the person who planned a vacation. You're like, all I want to do is go and play golf. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were with, we were in Long Beach Island. I rented a house and I invented, I invited my whole family, my mom, sister, her kids, everybody. And we're all golfers. Like we all grew, I'm like you, I grew up golfing, you know? Yeah. And it's like a real bond for the family. And so, uh, yeah, I can remember trying to get out of the house. Every time you try to get out of the house, my family, it's a complete nightmare. (laughs) And then, and then you get to the course and it's like, uh, now you're there at the worst part of the day. And you see, like, the good families, you know, the families <laughs> that got up early and they were on the course at 7 a.m. Right. And they're going to finish and then they're going to... The wife's skirt matches the, the dad's shirt. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. And we're rolling in hungover, fucking, you know, gym shorts on. 
never, <laughs> you can't give the Irish money. The Irish may get rich, but they'll never get wealthy. Yeah. They'll never have class. Uh. Okay, so uh, I know that you used to be a caddy. I listened to the last episode of one of the last episodes of your podcast where you were talking to Neil Brennan about both you guys caddying. But um, do you like? Have you ever had a bad experience as a player with a caddy, or like how many have you taken a caddy a lot in your life? I had this fucking numbnuts one time when I was playing at Bel Air in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. Yeah, this kid he uh, couldn't find a ball. He made stupid jokes the whole time. <laughs> Pretty big schnoz as well on that kid. Yeah, big schnoz. Big fucking schnoz. Didn't cheat for me. Didn't once give me a trump kick out of the trees. <laughs> <laughs> wow, finally the two guys I'm with wakes up on your trump joke. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I don't take caddies very often. It's, uh, um, you know, I play the public courses mostly or I'm playing in these benefits where you're on a cart so yeah maybe you right. got a potter caddy um and uh i can't th- i can't think of any bad times i mean most of the guys now uh because it's a cash job that pays pretty well like the level of talent in caddies is so much higher than it used to be yeah, I mean, people are making a career out of it, even though I yeah. highly recommend getting out of the game as soon as you can because it just doesn't age well. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's like 56-year-old guys that that's all they've ever known, and they just work at those L.A. courses. Or, I mean, you know, any course around the country, but especially in L.A. And, you know, that that's that's their life, just hanging out in a caddy shack, just numbing their brains, turning their what skin is, to uh, leather. What, is, what do you make for a loop these days? Uh, 200 bucks for uh, 100 a bag, and usually you carry two. So that that's pretty standard. Do you ever get um, the cart as well? So you're carrying two putters and two bags? Um, yeah. Two and two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, occasionally. I mean, it's just like so much work, though, you know? But, yeah, it's like almost not even worth it for the extra 100 bucks because, like, people will give you, like, 50 bucks for a putter, usually. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty wild. But um, I recently got out of the game. Uh, December was my last time caddying, but... Uh, yeah yeah cause I, uh, yeah um but uh yeah who knows you know my life could turn to shambles after all this and get back into it so certainly an option when i started caddy and not to sound like an old man or anything but like when i started caddying it was a ten dollar minimum twelve dollars was a normal tip and 15 was a big tipper and when i started i only weighed about 115 pounds <laughs> yeah. and i was about i was about 14 and so they used to give me one bag so i would get the shitty tipper so i would go out for you know four and a half hours and make twelve dollars and i was fucking thrilled and then and then as i moved up you know 20 started to become a really good round but i would do two and two so i'd get two bags 20 bucks each and then you get 10 a putter so man 60 bucks was like a great great day yeah, that's wild. If somebody gives me less than 80 a bag, I will confront them. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to, you know? Got to survive out here. Well, it's such a good workout. It's unbelievable. It's like carrying two bags. And, and they say that the average loop, if you walk with two bags, so you're, you're going back and forth a lot. They say you average about seven miles. And if it's a hilly course with... 
you know, how many pounds do you think two bags are? About 120 pounds? Well, no, no. I think like 14 pounds. Like they, they used to, we used to have a scale at Bel Air. Uh, I don't know if they have it anymore, but like I think anything more than 14, uh, you can like you are like allowed to tell the person that you can empty some stuff out. But I mean, anything that just felt anything that had a bad strap, you I would just fucking pussies. What a <laughs> you got, hey, sir, I weighed your bag <laughs> 14 pounds. <laughs> Yeah, I was such a soft caddy. I was just only looking for the easiest, easiest loop. Hey, uh, when I caddy, they had those big fucking Rodney Dangerfield Ram bags. Remember the Ram bags? They were all leather. Those guys had like range balls in there and an extra pair of shoes. Jesus, this is like your story of walking in the snow to school. That's right. That's right. Twelve dollars. Hey, Greg, how are you? This is Sal. Um, I've been doing this pod with uh, Jake the last few weeks, and I just actually wanted to ask you a oh, question. Sweet intro. Yeah, super. I have to introduce myself, Greg. I'm n- I'm nobody, and um, that's not true. I'm, well, I'm a I'm a huge fan of yours, Greg, and your um this is not happening um story is really good. Uh, from when you told about your your stand up at Stitches in Boston, I actually live in Boston, and I wanted to ask: Is Stitches still there? Because I'm a huge comedy fan, and I've never heard of it or been there. And you said it was in the red light district. So I'm assuming it's somewhere in Chinatown. Well, you know, it's funny when I did when I did that story, I kind of took two clubs and mixed them together for the sake of telling a better story, which I felt a little guilty about. But no, Nick's Comedy Stop is in the theater district, right? Which is still there. Yeah, so that's where all the the, I don't know if there's any hookers there anymore, but there used to be a lot of street hookers. Gotcha. And they came into the club. The cops came in. It was a mob joint. And then Stitches was over in uh, in Kemmer Square, and that's where that's where the story happened. But I borrowed some of the flavor from Nick's Comedy Stop. Gotcha. And Stitches hasn't been around for a lot of years, probably twenty years. Yeah. How about do you ever play up in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire? I was up there at a bar one time and I saw a poster with your face on it. Yeah, that was such a fun show. It was like two years ago <laughs> and um, I was booked to do the Faneuil, uh, the um, Laugh Boston, John Tobin's room. Right. And, uh, and so the, there's a guy, little promoter up in Manchester reached out to my agent and said, does he want to fly in a night early and we'll come pick him up and bring him up to Manchester? I don't even think I spent the night. Oh, no, I did spend the night. So I flew in, and they picked me up. It was snowing out. <laughs> Fucking huge snowstorm. And they drove me up to Manchester. And there's this little, it's kind of a cool bar. And I remember it had a lot of, like, uh, cool stuff hanging off the walls. They had, like, the, the coat of arms for a lot of different Irish families. And, uh... And they were great. The crowd was so fucking thrilled that I had, like, made it through a snowstorm to come up and perform. And I think I did like an hour and 45 minutes. And, wow. uh, yeah, that was, that was really nice. Um, yeah, that's why you yeah, saw a picture no, of it? Yeah, no, I went to that club and I was like, hey, you know, I know who that guy is. <laughs> I've seen Greg Fitzsimmons before and uh, I wasn't sure if you'd actually been there. It was the first time yeah. I've been to that place and it's kind of like a speakeasy type feel. Yeah. And I was like, maybe they're just bullshitting about this, but. 
Does anybody on the golf course call you Golf Ball Fitzsimmons? Sorry. Golf Ball Fitzsimmons? That's my bad. It was a grapefruit joke. It didn't quite. Oh, we'll move on. You um, now you're the first one. <laughs> All right, so two very quick things, and I'll let you get back to your life as a whole. Um, thank you again for taking some time. Uh, of I really course, appreciate man. it. I'm happy to do it. Um, okay, so this is, you probably have no memory of this whatsoever. It was literally 24 years ago. I'm 28 now, but when I was four years old, uh, my mom used to do stand up comedy, like in New York. Um, and uh, her name's Wendy Adams, but like uh, she like did it for like seven years and then got out to like raise her kids, um, which seems like a poor choice because I ended up doing this anyway. But, um, uh, one time at the Luna Lounge in New York, um, you went right after Jeff Ross, and I was there at four, just like causing therapy later in life. And uh, Jeff Ross brought me on stage uh, and to like roast me as a four-year-old. But then you, uh, at least this is a story my mom tells me, that you were the next comedian after Jeff at the Luna Lounge. And I was like literally mesmerized by being on stage, and I stood right next to the stage like the whole time while you were doing your set. Uh, until like my mom come and came and get me, but like you were just like trying to do your set, but there was just, like this little kid that you were like annoyed by. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. I remember that. No I way. Remember that night. Yes, I do. That's wild. And I remember like I remember like having fun with it for like you know <laughs> a few minutes, and then trying to get into my act and realizing like oh I can't say half the shit I was gonna <laughs> talk about. Uh. You truly have a better memory than any, because like Jeff Ross doesn't remember that. Like most of the comedians my mom came up with, like are like, who was that lady? But yeah, it seems like you have a really good memory. Oh my god, that's so funny. That was you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's like my only memory of my mom doing stand up. Like she, I don't know if you, like she used to have a joke about how she gave birth twice doggy style, and there was like a piano involved as an act out. It was traumatizing. Jeez. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you probably tried to hit on her at one point. I hope so. I, I, <laughs> I do. That makes the story even better. Um, okay. Uh, last question here. Um, just like, do you? I mean, do you? You, as a fan of golf and somebody who plays, uh, do you see a way that like th the PGA Tour or golf as a whole could be better? Like, in in my head, like I would ideally love to see like in a practice round. Like, this is, like, goals for my career to, like, get you or, like, Jeff Ross involved in something like this. But, like, they do a thing now where, like, in a practice round, they'll have, like, this guy Kelly James. And he's, like, a rapper. and he, But he's, like, a, a white rapper who just, like, will make stuff on the spot about people hitting. Um, but, like, I would love to see, like, a chirp tee where, like, professional comedians come in and get to, like, make fun of the golfer, like, in a practice round. Um, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, like... I, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to get you involved in something like that in, in the future. But like, do you have you already had any thoughts of like how you'd like to see golf change uh, just to like make it better? Well, I mean, I'm a traditionalist and I actually fucking hate the way they yell after guys hit their drives. I find that to be uh, it's just not the vibe of the sport. I don't like the direction it's going in. Yeah. Um, huh. I. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a pastoral sport. It's supposed to be serene, and uh, it's got its own pacing. And I think you got to just you got to cut down on the crowds, and 
you know, I like if you're going to do comedy during practice rounds, that's hilarious. But I think for the actual tournament, um, you know, right. let them let them play. There's too much theatrics. Did you see that clip? I, I just watched this clip when it was like uh, Phil Mickelson and Tiger were on the tee, and um, and they go, uh, are they on the tee now from Jupiter, Florida? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phil Mickelson, and then they're like, and uh, four-time Masters champion, three-time U.S. Open winner, two PGA championships, and Mickelson goes, all right, enough. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's classic. Um, yeah, I'm so pumped for that match. Uh, have you saw that, seen that? Like with uh, yeah. yeah, Brady and May- like they were yeah, all Tom talking Brady some trash. Um, yeah. Oh, my friend wants me to ask. Uh, like, just because, you know, you've talked so much on your podcast about, this will be the last thing, I promise, um, uh, like, of getting in so many, like, fights in your life. Um, but, like, have you ever seen any on the golf course? Because those are always so legendary because, like, people just let, let them go on the course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was, uh, I was playing with this guy one time, and uh, he kept hitting into the group in front of us. And this guy gets in his cart. He's a fucking old man. And he drives back, and he comes at my friend, and they end up wrestling to the ground. And then the guy's son comes and jumps into the fight, and is break. And I was like <laughs> respecting the fight; I was hands off. These guys go at it, but then the son comes, and he's a fucking musclehead, and he pulls my friend off, and he hits my friend, and then we all like jump. It was fucking melee. It was crazy, and it was all because of the old man. Yeah, old guys get a bit chirpy out there, especially if you hit into well, them, you, you know? you can't hit them. You can't hit the old man. So my friend was trying to just wrestle him instead of swinging at him. But then the son came in swinging. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. Well, yeah, thank you again, Greg, for, for taking some time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope we can play golf together at one point in our lives. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Enjoy your family and the rest of the time uh, with them, and uh, you know the rest of your life as a whole. All right, buddy. Enjoy the tape this summer. I'm very jealous. <laughs> all right. Well, we have an extra bedroom if you need to get away. All right. I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> all right. See ya. All right. Thanks. See ya.